0: But you know it is what it is we left those games behind us and we came out on the road in front of 100,000 people and we won a tough road game in the sec so you know if our own fans don't want to cheer for us when we're losing they don't cheer for us when we win that's my take on things yeah i, I already watched uh, i already watched all that anything by the water that's got cool looking trees and boats i mean yeah i'll watch that just like bloodline and uh you know, any of them of that, uh, uh, that type, you
1: know. I think you can still shot whatever thing that's going on uh, in your mind, you know, I don't know. I mean, you could probably get, uh, if, you, if you keep a camera on me the entire game, you'd probably catch me doing all kinds of things that probably would be like, boy, I wonder why he's doing that at this very second, so. could be worse, could
0: be urban, but I was just curious, thank you. Well, let's if we didn't run out of pages.
2: You
0: go, get your popcorn ready. Well, what's the big thing? Whoa. I oh, guess he's ready. Oh, <laughs> get your popcorn
3: ready. Oh, uh, welcome to Fringe gentlemen. here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Brayden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
2: I'm Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Dugan. <laughs> Or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. Godfrey, you're drinking again. Drinking yes, again.
1: I am. Drinking yeah. again. At 38 Godfrey on Instagram and Twitter. It's coffee. I don't know how many times I have to say it. Is that my catchphrase on
3: this show? It's coffee. Um, it's also the middle of the season almost in the yeah. SEC, which is why I thought we'd start the show with some some audio from week five because shit is starting to get crazy across the conference, and it's when pressure Starts to build. It's when coaches start to say silly things at press conferences. Uh, that was Will Rogers, of course, the Mississippi State quarterback. That was Mike Leach talking about Netflix. That was Dan Mullen talking about a screenshot of him smiling on his way to shake Mark Stoops' hand. And of course, Lane Kiffin being Lane Kiffin in the pregame interview on CBS before he got his ass kicked by Alabama. Welcome to the show, Trey Wallace. Going to join us a little bit later on from Outkick to cover all things SEC and Tennessee. But before we do any of that, Aaron Dugan, Fringe Element, is brought
2: to you by Jasper's, the endangered white snow leopard of West slash Central Nashville.
3: Interesting. Ah, that had some nat geo feels and vibes. You to always it. get a little British on the ad read, Aaron. What's what's that about?
1: I
2: know my R's turn like soft like, Jasper's. <laughs> it's like the the R's <laughs> turn soft. I don't know why.
1: You do an ad read, and suddenly it's received pronunciation. It's Vanna White mixed <laughs> with uh, Peaky Blinders.
2: Vanna White doesn't talk that much, but yeah.
1: She's got a crazy South Carolina accent when she does. Does
2: she really?
3: it his bright white light, all that deal. Go yeah. to Jaspers, everybody.
2: Uh- <laughs> I don't do that, thank God. That
3: was an ad read. <laughs> Jaspers on West End, <laughs> free parking, great food, great place to watch the game. Go to Jaspers. Um, I-, I guess you tell me where to start here, folks, because things are starting to feel awfully tight in the SEC outside mm-hmm. of Athens and Tuscaloosa. Uh, I suppose we, we're gonna spend a lot of time today on the show talking about Coach Orgeron at LSU. Um, but I just thought we'd start with a little sound because it things are this is when people start to act weird in the SECs, right right about week six. And so in- we have
1: we have our known quantities, right? We have two extremely known quantities that are, uh, deserving of all the praise that you can probably think of, yet hard to find anything original to say about up until this point. Um, with one exception, and that's I think Aaron and I were talking about this before the show about how George's ability to apparently plug like one of us in at quarterback should probably be praised because they can't they apparently have they're seamless when it comes to the most important position on the field. However, most of th- those two schools are known quantities. I am trending towards not being able to stop thinking about LSU. Because we have, how have we defined LSU this entire year? As as something, eh, eh, right? You can't finish the sentence. Eh, they are, they do football things, right? It seems now that those football things are going to probably poison them terminally.
3: They, they are a day-old vat of hollandaise. It's bad. Is what it is. It's, it's, it's bad. Like. Do we want to, so, do- so I mean, are we going so, so there be, now? I was because- going to say, so before <laughs> we spend the next 45 minutes talking about LSU, I didn't want to just go um, off Aaron. He mentioned Alabama and Georgia. They, yes. they, they look dominant. Um, I don't know if that's an indication or any information at all about Ole Miss or Arkansas. Um, but, but you mentioned this sort of talking before the show, as Steven alluded to, the, the quarterback has been seamless for them over the last you know, couple of years, I guess. I still wonder if that, if that, slows them down in an sec championship game or a playoff scenario in which they have to play Alabama. I still think that's a question, but I think you could make the case that Georgia's better than Alabama right now today. And I think that's kind of original.
2: I've heard more people making that case in the last few days than I ever have in my lifetime. And obviously it's all Alabama's Alabama, but the plug and play thing to a certain extent, looks like an Alabama. That's an Alabama thing that Alabama can do. Not most most other schools can't do that and still compete at the level that Georgia and Alabama are competing at. Right at the top, the very top group of teams in the country. Um, I think that says a lot about a lot about Georgia's system as a whole. I don't know what it says about them playing Alabama later in the season because, again, as we talked about last week, Alabama can still get better. Also, so hard to say but I, I watching Georgia this past weekend and the weekend before even though it was Vanderbilt two weeks ago I mean that it, the team looks unbelievable
3: they, they, put, they,
1: they put a nose guard in they put a nose guard in at the goal line block on the goal line it's
3: it that's is not, the that's most, not that creative, I mean no,
1: but it was just the most humbling and yet simultaneously satisfying thing I saw last weekend because I've been the one beating the drum that hey, you have to you have to evolve this offense. you have to evolve this offense. That was my talking point about Georgia. They seem to be like operating on a dare or a bet with people like me and saying, actually, by sheer virtue of the fact that we are so dominant in the front seven and our stop rate is so insanely good, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything on offense and we can play to diminishing returns. They can get so big and so powerful on short yardage situations, on goal line situations. They have not been forced to do any of those things. The question now becomes, will Alabama eventually force them? And I'm not trying to do an SEC championship preview on October 5th, but you can't help but wonder. They're so dominant that they can. It's not laziness. I don't want to say that. And then that get turned into a take. But it is not creative because they have not had to be creative. You asked, Braden if this was a referendum on Arkansas and or Ole Miss. I don't think so. This is just this is that's the Mendoza line of
3: the rest of the league. I, so you mentioned before the sh- before the season started, Stephen, when are we going to know? And and you sort of said Florida. I said Arkansas, not knowing that Arkansas was going to be like actually decent. Mm-hmm. But I, I still. We are now at and through the Arkansas match. And I still don't know, to Aaron's point, I still don't know. I, I don't, I'll just say this I don't believe that Stetson Bennett can beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. I, I don't. They, they need JT. No, Daniels. I do think you need a healthy. Uh, yeah, I, I think JT needs to be healthy for that. So yeah. you need to have yeah. a healthy JT Daniels. The, then the follow up to that is what kind of scheme can you run? Because Alabama just. I mean, let's let's be honest about what they did to Ole Miss's offense. We talked a lot about, oh, they're going to score points. It it didn't go over, and they and Ole Miss didn't cover. Well, they gapped him to
1: death. I mean, it just they fit everything. And what I mean by that is is specifically so so the lanes that Ole Miss creates, not lane. Sorry, I did not mean for that to be a pun. Lanes, lanes. Uh, the space in which Ole Miss creates de- decisions to occur at a very quick pace. That, that's the offense, right? They're they're creating geometric problems all over the field. Alabama, by virtue of their athleticism and a very very good scheme, it should be said, Pete Golding did a very very good job and has been criticized by Alabama fans for two years. They fit everything. They fit every gap. There was someone there who was capable enough to open field tackle and or create pressure on Ole Miss to make the decision versus what Ole Miss likes to do is stress your defense to make the decision. This is the first time this season Ole Miss was not able to befuddle a linebacker or a safety that was cheating up. If anything, they were the ones who were just completely confused.
2: We'll say, Braden, going circling back just for a second to the ability, like what Georgia will have to have, in the quarterback position to potentially beat Alabama down the road. I will say though, and I'd love to hear y'all's opinion on this is it seems like Stetson Bennett is keeping up well enough that they're not having to make major offensive schema changes to where they're having to practice things or put things in place that they're going to end up switching back when they go back to um, JT Daniels. So can you talk about like how much like, does it look like they're ex- running the exact same offense to you, just with the quarterback being different, or do you see them making adjustments that are co- potentially causing them to have to run different things in practice?
1: It's a but, little smaller, Braden. Would yeah, you say? Uh,
3: yes, but they also—I t- mean, this—this <laughs> this is a boring answer, Aaron. But like, they haven't had to do anything yeah. that forces they haven't you seen, to yeah. right, like. Arkansas was a terrible matchup for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like for Arkansas. <laughs> like yeah. A a slow plotting old school style is going to play right into which is why Georgia's going to demolish Kentucky in two weeks. Right. And it's it, it they're So not yet. No, I no. guess. And also Stetson Bennett started like eight games. Like, let's be clear here. This is not, yeah. This is it's not, not like it's, this is not, they need back, the- this is not we'll this- Calzada being thrown out there against Colorado without any practice time. This is a guy who started right. seven or eight games in the sec. Aaron, what you're getting at though, is what
1: would concern me if I was a Georgia fan, you need a test case. You need to stress certain aspects of the, both the play calling and the execution Florida You also, for the inevitable championship game, which all things seem to lie under the shadow of this season. You need to have a proxy for this situation before you get in it. And you're, I, I really don't see that happening with what, what's left on the schedule.
3: For Flor- Kentucky's defense is eh, but they're at home. So I don't, that's not good. Florida is yeah. a decent enough challenge yeah. to get yeah. a trial run at something, but then you have to balance how much you're going to put on tape versus you know, also Florida could give them a hell of a game. I mean, let's just be clear; they still have to go out and win that game. We're not—we're just ordaining both of these teams into into Atlanta, which is a little dangerous. But no, but
2: pro- when has that matchup ever felt more sure? Like you're—we're yeah, no, brushing off Florida, Georgia. That says something about Georgia.
3: As, as a practice rep,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah.
3: The Florida Gators are a practice just rep, which, which I'm again, scared to do that. Still, slightly we like be. We like ten percent scared. scared. Yeah, I'm I'm a little more scared. Cause I'm about 19% scared. Some of that is like conditioning based on age. I'll be honest, because I think
1: we calcify like implicit bias in the sec based on our, like Florida has always been able to dominate this rivalry based on a 20 year sample set of whenever it was, you were a fan of, or like a media member. That's not necessarily the case, right? That doesn't have any practical application this year in the back of my head though. When I think of that rivalry, I never really think of Georgia entering the game and maintaining total control throughout.
3: But, but isn't that the same thing we're doing in our heads for Bama and Georgia? I mean, isn't that the – Yeah, example? but – Like, if Georgia's defense is that good that they're just going to destroy all of that 20 years' worth of built-up okay. knowledge of Florida, because eventually Deshaun Watson did that to Bama. Uh, eventually Clemson did it. Is Georgia's defensive front just that good that they could just line up and destroy Bryce Young? And I, it, it's always not until it is, you know? And then Ohio well, State and then, and then Ohio State beats you with a third string quarterback in the Sugar Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, it nobody's perfect. I don't know. I'm, I'm processing that in real time. I
1: apologize. I think the difference here this year is that it's two teams that we're talking about. Normally, what we do is we draw a big SEC logo on the conversation in college football and we say, This team, the preeminent team of this league, is this unbeatable, inarguable maxim. Right now, we have two of those, and that's a it's it's strange because, in other words, someone You'll be able to exit the SEC championship game saying, well, of course, Alabama won or of course, Georgia won based on their 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 metrics this year. Unless you're of the unless you're of the mind that you think right now in the first week of October that Georgia's the better football team. But your brain is keeping you from saying that based on your experience with the University of Alabama. Is that what you're getting at? Because if that's the case, I think a lot of people might be suffering from that.
3: I, I I would be in that. Also, area. Georgia fans hate themselves, so like there's a lot of just yeah. self-loathing at, at the at the jump. Well, Aaron, I I mean I I put I put money down on one team to win the national championship back in February, and that was Georgia. But but really? that was that's an odds play. He did
2: do that. It's I more did, believable I did, now.
3: I did do that. They're actually trying to get me to 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 buy out of the bet at like yeah at like four times my value. So I'm tempted to do it because don't do it. What because Georgia got, fans hate each me, you other. More
2: than five dollars. Hate, Please hate tell themselves. me you bet more than $5 this time.
3: It's not anybody's business. It's my business. That's HIPAA.
2: Well, you talk about it all the time, though. Yeah, it's HIPAA. It's, hip-a. so it's hip-a. kind of everybody's business.
3: Um, there's so like much. <laughs> I'm like, we breeze so through all this. We're, so we're
1: as, as if Florida didn't lose to Kentucky this weekend.
3: I was going to say, let's get there's so much other stuff. There's good Dr. Bo at Auburn. There's Florida. There's Kentucky. There's Tennessee actually looking like a maybe a. a they know what to do on a football field. I don't know. Um, and then of course, LSU. So let's, let's go right to, to coach O here. And I want to, I, uh, I want to, <laughs> unless, unless Aaron, you have anything else you'd like uh, to add about Lane Kiffin, which no, I know you I've need.
2: already mentally moved on to coach O. So I'm, I'm going to s- sit right here.
3: Okay. So I want to ask, and Steven, you've done this so many years and I've had to deal with this for so many years as well. I don't even know how to ask the question because there's lots of stuff about like, well, will will Scott Woodward move on? Who would be the right candidates? Mm -hmm. LSU's eight and seven. Their offensive line is atrocious. Like we all this stuff that we kind of are we we know now. Yeah, I I do want to try to get you to explain to listeners, to fans, to, to college football people who interact on social media why we as media sometimes look at a head coach who's a national championship coach. And we did this with Larry Coker at Miami. We did it with Les miles at LSU, but in the, in the, in the past, why we sort of look at a coach who's got incredible accomplishments and just assume sort of that it's not it. D- does that make sense? Like how do you explain to fans hmm. when you sort of just know that it's not it, even though he's got a ring on his finger. Cause it was hard. I, I took, I spent years saying that I did not think Les Miles was a particularly good football coach. And LSU fans hated me for it. I, you know, I think a lot of people probably would have said the same thing about Larry Coker after Miami, Gene Chizik at Auburn. Gene Chizik's where I was going to take the conversation. Like what, how do you, what factual information, what data, what what do you use as evidence to tell someone on Twitter (laughs) or in your life that you see at a bar? It's like, well, wait a second. The guy just won a national title. Why would we move on so fast from this guy? And it's because we have all this acquired information right
1: correct and i think again saban being an outlier if you throw him out for a second the way you evaluate a head coach is as a ceo that's what we say every time right this is a modern day ceo so what happens let's go back to gene chizik for a second gene chizik wins a national title at auburn a place starved for that kind of national attention and recognition he does so with the best player in college football and arguably one of the best players ever to have a single season however you want to categorize cam newton okay uh, at the time, a phenomenal offensive coordinator who was doing things that were changing the way offense was being played at the, in the sport, and then also a roster of very good SEC-quality players that
3: they recruited and developed. Not, not a lot of NFL players.
1: Not, no, Here's the deal. Nothing of what I just said replicates after. So even in two short years, I was just talking about this with some Auburn boosters, actually. One of my favorite stories that I ever wrote was on the exit ramp of the visitor side at Vanderbilt when Gene Chiswick's team and the offensive coordinator was Scott Loeffler and the defensive coordinator was Brian Van Gorder lost to James Franklin's Vanderbilt. And it was to many, many moneyed people in the Auburn community. That was it. This is the final nail in the coffin. He needed to be fired. So if you're asking me, how do we know in those moments? Was, think, was Aaron
3: sober at that game?
1: I were was you at dancing that game, Aaron? at that game. You it was were dancing my freshman year.
2: Oh, okay.
3: Yep. So,
1: so, so yes, yeah. you were sober. So
2: yes, I was sober. <laughs>
1: It was rocking that day. Uh, that, it was one of the, I mean, it was one of those times where you look down at the home side of, of Vanderbilt stadium. And not only was it filled, it was like, it was intense and celebratory. It was awesome. Game, it was game day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so look, I guess my advice is this. If you're trying to figure out when's the time, look at head coaching less as a sort of uh, continuous tenure. Oh, this coach is a known quantity. He has won a title. Therefore that should apply to every situation. And think about it more as odds, percentage chances that every time you flip a coin or there's a roulette ball or whatever, there's a percentage chance that you're going to be successful and a percentage chance that you're not. It's almost like a weather report, guys, right? So there's a 70% chance of success every time with this good head coach. But does that percentage chance diminish over time? And then let's just say, hypothetically, this coach Orgeron, for instance, it gives you a 70% chance to have a successful season, okay? Somewhere buried in those percentages, is that if you hit on your OC being genre defining which he did and otherworldly talented quarterback which they got on the transfer market just like Cam and then all of a sudden you're surrounded by a bunch of talent that you recruited and developed you hit right think of it almost as gambling you hit you got that ace all right the problem is this no one sustains the ace except one person because he rigged the game and i don't mean cheated don't take this out of context braden's always fun in the edit room after these i, I don't do mean not. that he cheated i do not I mean that he literally developed a system that eliminates any kind of doubt, any variance of the human quality is what Nick Saban's done. Unfortunately at LSU, you apply everything that Nick Saban has done to
3: LSU. And in that respect, Orgeron fails every time. And, and Auburn, um, it, Aaron, go ahead.
2: <laughs> I what, think, where this do is you a, want to start? <laughs> I have so many things to say, and I actually do need to say something about Lane Kiffin before the end of the show, but I'll do it at the end. Cause I was already on coach O land. Um, I'm kind of along the same thing, what Godfrey is saying, but in a different way, I think that time chips away at the advantages that you hold as a school, as like an institution, as a program with a tradition. And although LSU is, um, I mean, I know he won a championship, like we all can't deny him of that, but we also can't on that same front, I'm not going to take away his championship, but I'm also not going to give him the benefit of the doubt when this looks like, for lack of better words, a shit show. Um, and you you have recruiting advantages in that state. Um, he's a good recruiter. Um, but when you let things fall through the cracks, attention to detail, and I'm going to go detail as far as an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator are, should not be detail. They should be interviewed on campus. There's so many things that have fallen through the cracks for Cocho, and I think over time it just chipped away with – like what Steve, what Godfrey was saying with, um, he, it, he was hitting and you're not always going to. And I mean, this, you can say, okay, you lost a bunch of players to the NFL. Well, they still have one of the, I mean, they had five, five-star recruits in the last two seasons. And I wrote it down somewhere, 29, four-star players in the last two recruiting seasons. So it's like, you, you want to make that You want to make that an excuse, but it's not. And if it's the fact that these players aren't being developed, well, that's on you as a coach. Um, And you, I could go down a whole list of, there's so many tangible things that LSU can't do. Um, They're 128 that 130 in rushing defense. I mean, the stats are just, they're all there. Like you literally look at these stats and it's appalling, but what I don't understand is how in the world with everything else that's happened is this not going to be enough? Like he said something in the post-game presser, which was just ironic. Cause he's like, you know, it's time to just look at the film and tell the truth. And it's like, oh, right. you know, I, I don't think he's <laughs> been the most honest of coaches throughout his last couple of years of his tenure. And I, what I'm sick of seeing is Universities, and this is a larger issue, and we don't have to go all the way down this rabbit hole, but universities sitting on morally uh questionable and not even questionable decision making by the highest people in the highest position at that university. It's it is cocho, it's not maybe not even the university president who has more power and more say on that campus. And you just sit on that what you know to be moral fallibility and to see if you're gonna be good or not. And if you're good, you're gonna push it to the side. And if you're bad, you're gonna get rid of them. And you're gonna use all of these things they've done wrong behind the scenes to get rid of them. I've seen, it happens all the time in college football. And I think that's making me more mad than any of it because you're just sitting on something that you should get rid of a coach for, but you're gonna wait and see if you're good before you use it.
3: So you would be in favor of Urban Meyer taking over?
2: (laughs) Yes, and all in conclusion, Urban Meyer should get the job.
1: <laughs> Aaron brings up a really good point, and it's less football than it is just how you how we struggle with this sport. Jeremy Pruitt emotionally. Yep. I yeah. I based on what I know and what I hear, if it comes to pass that LSU terminates him, and and it goes down like Aaron's talking about, which is very likely, it's possible. Maybe not likely is not the word, but it's possible. How, so they, don't many, pay, games, they don't want to no, pay one
2: million million. It will go down like that.
3: They, how many if, games do they need to lose, Steve, before you finish your thought? How many games do they need to lose for that? Time? Well, I mean, they're, they're about to go what five against five
1: ranked teams. Uh, yeah, four and, and
2: everyone.
3: The boil, the, the, the way you
1: boil down the next five games is, is they can't run the ball and they get run on the next five opponents can all do that in different ways against you. And you haven't shown an ability to stop it against uh, uh bigger teams Yeah, in terms of scheme or, or teams that want to put you in space, like UCLA, right? UCLA ran around them to then run through. We say run through somebody, as in, like, a, that, like, that's a cliche to imply that they just ran the ball a lot. UCLA actually put them in space, confused them. That's what Ole Miss is going to do to them. Some of the, I mean, like, they haven't played Arkansas yet. Arkansas is going to bully them. Like, it's pick your poison. They're going to get run so on. So, like, like how they games. get
2: beat? More if, than no, what I'm how saying many is, they get beat by.
1: Oh, I mean, if I had to pick and, uh, one or two more losses and he's done. I mean, that's it. Okay. So, but what I'm saying is stuff. if they, if they're sitting on some sort of cash of, of um, damning evidence in terms of character, in terms of mismanagement, as it relates to the stuff with guys specifically Darius Geis and the sexual assault and the, and what seems to be endemic and the leadership is sitting on it as some sort of Trump card to nullify either a buyout or justify a football firing. There is, guilty as he is of of whatever the the wrongdoing is this is this is not a chip that you play in in some sort of like ethical poker game this if you have this information you act on it in april or february or whenever it is that it comes to pass You don't sit on it to fire somebody
3: yeah yeah, but you're you're living in a pollyannish world there in your brain like i agree with you know you have to draw a line eventually i'm the most myopic human being in the world but who does that but this is college football's biggest problem this is college football congressional it oversight is?
1: committee is going to eventually, because this is going to get to the point where federal law enforcement will get involved with obstruction of justice. If this keeps going, people. not at
3: LSU, yeah, I, I'm I, saying I in completely general, completely agree. I, and I, this is not the direction I, Aaron, I'm, I support you in, in taking it this direction, but like people are not safe because they want to win games and it's not an sec problem. It's not an LSU problem. Oh yeah. It, no, it's everywhere. It's a college no, football problem. Yeah. Well,
2: it's just, so it don't too tell hard, me that
3: LSU is going to be holier than thou. And just like, fire their national championship coach oh no they're not point. like
1: no they're not if, gonna
2: do it no but i know if it, they're but what not if, if it comes to,
3: out that they held on to it to
1: use it this way this shit has to stop
2: yeah that's what i'm saying it was, it's impossible to not talk i know this is debbie downer for some people but it shouldn't be because it's reality and if if we if he loses games we're going to see that all of a sudden it's going to appear that information just came to the surface, but it didn't. They already know yeah. if he's going to get yeah. fired and they're going to get out of paying him the twenty-one million dollars that they owe him if they try to get him out of his contract. We will all of a sudden stumble upon details that, newsflash, they didn't just stumble upon. This is a this is a whole this is a whole thing, and it's impossible to not talk about it when we're talking about getting rid of Coach O because it is ingrained in the fibers of this conversation.
3: No, we I we don't. we all agree on this, by the way. I yeah. know we I do. We it's,
2: absolutely it's, all it's, do. It's, it's, there's I also no
3: don't think it's also like what I, Jacksonville is literally doing as we're recording this right with urban Meyer. They are, trying I don't, I don't build, think that's actually, they're we'll trying to ahead, build great. the thing Well, they're trying to build the thing behind the scenes because right. they're trying to use quote unquote moral clauses or whatever language legalese you want to use. Just like with Pruitt at Tennessee, it, it, you know, like if Pruitt was winning games, you think all that investigation stuff happens? What, what, hang on, hang on, hang on, doesn't.
1: hang on. There, there, there's one, we, we need to parse something real quick.
2: I know
1: the NCAA, NCAA rules are uh, semantic at best, and I have enjoyed wallowing in the sewage of the NCAA and made a career out of it. There's a world of difference between this new model that was created when Jeff Long, who is a certifiable shit bag, decided that he needed to get out of a couple million dollars because Kansas was broke and they are in football very broke. So he did the trumped up charge against David Beatty. We saw this trend start. The agent community all started yeah, talking yeah. like, mm, "This is not good. This is this way they're avoiding buyouts because we've held them to these contracts." If we're talking, of, so the David Beatty thing happened because uh, uh, the wrong coach was in the wrong quarterback video meeting. What we're talking about, LSU, yeah. is yeah. is like Baylor. Okay, so we need to be, we need to be yeah. very specific here. I don't care if some goofiness comes to pass in Knoxville over some bullshit NCAA thing that involves 200 bucks in a McDonald's bag, going to players. They should all get paid. Okay. Okay. I don't care. If we're now using the obfuscation of sexual assault investigation and the protection of people on campus as a bargaining chip, you will find very quickly Southeastern conference, how the ground underneath you disappears in the court of public opinion. It's one thing if you bring a kid a Dodge Charger. It's another thing if you help him get
3: out of a rape charge. I (laughs) I hope with all of my fiber and being that you are correct. My cynical view of being in this college football space for as long as I have and still get shit from friends who are Penn State fans. Right. Or Baylor fans. Or Jameis Winston fans or Oregon State, or Colorado, or LSU, or you name it. It does, Sure. It, it's, I think you're right, and we, we, we probably need to all calm down and talk about football for a second, but I think you might be right that the only way anything changes is if there is some sort of, I don't even know, congressional. I don't know what the right language is to solve the problem. I want to say this before we move on. I don't
1: think this is going to be the case in Baton Rouge. I don't. And if you're, if you're scoring at home, it's because they probably, if they would have had the material that we're talking about, this hypothetical material to move against Orgeron for some sort of overall product, uh, uh, sorry, uh, program mismanagement in terms of the sexual assault stuff that was going on that really is endemic at the university culture at the level in Baton Rouge. It's, it's all across, it's not just the football program. They would have done that already. And just keeping my ear to the ground in terms of like you know, coach gossip, Scott Wooder didn't hire Ed Orgeron.
3: No. Okay. He, he gets the free pass on this.
1: No, but what I'm saying is like they, they had all the reason to do it. If they had the information back this summer. And I'm going to be honest with you. LSU lives in sort of a consistent, almost Auburn like state of no one is ever hundred percent satisfied with the direction of the program. Maybe for the five minutes that the confetti was actually falling in new Orleans, was every power broker involved at Louisiana State football happy with, with the way things are going? And then I swear to you, 30 minutes later, it was like, now what? There's, he never really won over the entire faction of boosters Ed Orgeron did. They didn't like it. And so now with that record that you mentioned, Braden, they have their ammunition. If he gets fired, I feel almost certain in the long view, it will be technically for football reasons. That doesn't change what happened, though, going back to Miles and through
3: Orgeron.
2: We'll see with $21 million I, on the line. Yeah, I'm with, okay, I'm, we can
3: I'm, move on. I, I'm with Aaron on this one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it ain't, yeah. It, it ain't, <laughs> ain't going to pay him out on that. If, if there's an ounce that they uh, haven't shared, which I bet there is. So,
3: all right. Anyways. I just, I just would like to, to take a second to applaud the two of you for your overt love of Kentucky this season on the podcast. You better Thank keep backtracking. You, you better keep backtracking. <sighs> Credit I still where credit's due. I, yeah, I still don't feel like he really means it doesn't what are you talking about (laughs) of course i mean it gotta say
2: Braden has perfected selective hearing um as has his wife so
3: what i think well no that uh, was forced upon her for the record
1: (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's
2: called a survival tactic
1: (laughs) (laughs) i I think when you get monumental special teams play that team that kind of like fades out over time and people are just going to remember the box score on this one they were not supposed to win this game. No, they should probably
3: should not have won this game, but you know what? I can't believe the two of you been hyping Kentucky all summer. Like they barely they, won. Yeah. They shouldn't have won. Uh-huh.
1: Um, I still can't figure out. Oh man. I have to compliment Dan Mullen for like, basically I think evolving his career in terms of the way they played Alabama. Right. Like that was a pinnacle performance in a loss as, as Dan Mullen is wont to do on the big stage. And then he turns around and does this. I have no explanation for this offense against I, nothing. Kentucky is a good defense, they don't have an unsolvable Rubik's cube. I mean, this is ridiculous. E- Emory Jones
3: is limited. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird though that now, we have now to, his limits but we had to say affected. that after this game, Braden. But his limits might not be the thing that costs you against like Georgia. But maybe it like it didn't against Bama because they were just running speed option. I, I don't know. That's my point. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah how is it that we're coming
1: to this conclusion now after the vaunted Kentucky program has their way with you and not after the Alabama game at home. That's, that's the newsworthy element of this to me. So I don't know. Um, I I don't want to take anything away from Kentucky, but I, I really do feel fooled by a Florida team that had never looked better in a loss against Bama. I, I am with you. I didn't necessarily
2: know what to make of it. I was not expecting it. I knew we all knew we all knew Kentucky was pretty good. Um, and I do think that will Levis's performance was, I mean, he's getting better. Um, but it, you, you have to almost chalk, you have to chalk this up to Florida mistakes. I mean, you can, you can run with that as a Kentucky fan, like, we beat Florida. We're back. We're you know, top tier SEC team. And I would love that because I've talked more so much about how I love that this program was actually built on stone and not sand. I've said that a million times. Um, so I would love for it to be a true representation of where Kentucky stands in this conference. Unfortunately, I think it came back to more Florida but, grossly missing its potential.
3: Let me, that's a, that's an interesting comment. Let me, let me posit something for you guys. They are going to catch LSU at one of the best possible times at home. Mm -hmm. Their schedule, like we said all summer, sets up very well for them to definitely lose to Georgia and then maybe not be a huge underdog in any other game. They figured out a way with one giant special team's play to beat a Dan Mullen offense. Mm -hmm. But that really they're probably eight and four, nine and three-ish type of good and that that's just about where Mark Stoops' good teams are going to be, and he's getting the benefit of a bad LSU and a bad schedule. They beat a terrible Missouri defense early in the season. Tennessee is on its first, on a brand-new coach. South Carolina is on a brand-new coach. Yeah, brand coach. Vanderbilt's on a brand-new coach. And I they don't are gonna, love
1: the way you're going with this.
3: They're going to end up with a 10-win season, and he deserves a ton of credit for it, but that they're really an 8-4 team. Doesn't matter. I agree. Because I got the over Don't need a wins, comma. So. Don't need a comma. Okay. It doesn't
1: matter. Look, you, you could argue their entire body of work is basically a Florida bad night and then a bunch of really bad teams that they beat. Okay. But isn't that Kentucky's best case scenario? Let me say this. What Stoops is doing, regardless of what you're handed, should be thought of and, and celebrated the same way that what Franklin did at Vanderbilt. I don't see why not. And, and even years now later, we still get this crap where it was like, I mean, James Franklin won nine games. Look at what Georgia was doing back then. And Florida was terrible. But he still won the game.
3: He, he beat Joker, the team. Derek Dooley, Joker Phillips. Oh, dude, don't do this. <laughs> I know, I know, I know.
1: It's a chalky way to live. Um, yeah, You guys want to hear something interesting that someone pointed out to me? I don't know if I've said this on the show yet. The Hayden Fry thing. Can, continue. There is a, a wide amount of speculation that Kirk Ferentz has to step down at some point and that a, a big swan song season in which maybe he ends up in the Rose Bowl hmm. would be that year. Go back, if you are so inclined, to all of the Mark Stoops press conferences in 2021 and count the Hayden Fry quotes. Mark Stoops is an Iowa alumnus. Mm-hmm. He, unlike Bert, does not have it tattooed on his ankle like some damn woo girl, but he is a uh, very, I'll put it this way. The, I know this is an SEC show, but this definitely matters to the SEC because if this job opens, it's going to be huge. People who coach at Iowa or like attend, like people, coaches in college football who have Iowa degrees really love Iowa. And that's not always the case with your alma mater. I'm just pointing this out. I think Mark Soups is putting a resume together.
3: Leave it at that. That's because people on that Hayden Fry staff have all gone on to be Hall of Famers elsewhere.
1: Like like six correct of them. like six. But if of them. you but if you ask anyone in the Stoops family,
3: they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I really wanted to coach at Iowa, including Bob, not Notre Dame, Iowa." Weird, All right. isn't? It? All right, so Kentucky's pretty good, and Mark Stoops is pretty good, and he's going to be the next coach at Iowa. Got it? Okay. Um. There and there, <laughs> there goes the soundbite that kills me. Here's the. <laughs> yep,
2: and that's what's going to be the video. That's what Braden <laughs>
3: puts on the social? <laughs> Fringe element. Aaron Dugan is brought to you
2: by Jaspers, where fifty percent of all marriages end.
3: <laughs> oh my God! What? <laughs> what, are, what are you talking about? No, no, I go needed, to Jaspers where we build. I needed some help,
2: so I used Cards Against Humanity. The first card I pulled out.
3: You just pulled that out of the box just now.
2: Yep, fifty percent of all marriages end <laughs> at blank. <laughs> so I just inserted <laughs> Jaspers.
3: This is tremendous. <laughs> Go to Jasper's. It could, be, where it could the, be
2: fun for one ad, a week, oh, a show.
3: Go to Jasper's, where there's free parking, a great menu, and you'll your relationship might end half the time.
2: Yeah, and questions you could ask yourself there: Why am I sticky?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Now it's a whole okay, thing. This it's is a whole fun. Thing now. This
2: is a new thing, guys. Thing.
3: So when you walk into Jasper's and you sit down, you're having a nice meal and your server comes over over to you and she says, what would you like? You respond with.
2: <laughs> A white ethnostate. <laughs>
3: is, uh, is that fried or blackened?
2: <laughs> I think it normally comes blackened, but <laughs> the chef is versatile. You can make white, it however you like it. The
3: white ethnostate is blackened. Interesting. It's Interesting.
2: <laughs> well, you know. okay yeah i mean you want to go one more time it's our first time we can milk it why not
3: yeah yeah. fringe element this was totally unplanned by the way fringe element is in um, fact brought
2: to me
3: brought to you by
2: (laughs) i literally i honest to god why not i i actually can't say it it says dick pics so i don't think we can use that you might want to cut this out
3: no no this is this is what Jasper's is paying for.
2: <laughs> no, I'm gonna get fired. God, oh, by Jasper's. God. I don't think you're gonna fire me, but you Jasper's got, might be like, take her off the ad reads.
3: You got lucky please. with the first one, actually. Um,
2: I know, now right? I, now that I
3: think about it, with
2: the blank, <laughs>
3: <laughs> the devil <laughs>
2: himself. I mean, these are these are horrible.
3: Uh, yes, who created the the wonderful menu at Jasper's?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the devil the himself, devil. according to Cars <laughs> Against Humanity. <laughs>
3: Sorry, Deb. We love you. Deb uh, is
2: literally she only she listens to this episode and is like, "Really, this is what's been happening uh, behind my back this whole time." The parking, um, the
3: parking is free.
2: It is. The food is and,
3: wonderful, and your marriage will not end at Jasper's. Just, just get through dinner, okay?
2: We can't, we can't guarantee that, but it's, it's likely. There's not a positive correlation between.
3: Scienti- more marriages
2: ending at Jaspers than just right. normal marriages ending. So there's right. nothing. There is no scientific
3: excuse. proof or evidence that is right. linked Jaspers to the divorce rate in Nashville. None at all. Okay, good. That's that's good yes. news.
2: <laughs> if for you, it definitely is. Considering Jasper. how much you go there.
3: Oh my God, go to freaking Jaspers, please. But here's what's funny about... The, the Kentucky offense, like it would be more understandable if Will Levis did something like Bo Nix did. Yes, I, I would understand. I understand Auburn's victory more because Bo Nix just did two or three things that mm-hmm. no humans can do. That just were like, I, I like. I think I woke up the dog, both my children and my wife on that touchdown pass.
2: Yeah, and LSU totally forgot how to tackle, also, which helped. But
3: true, but that's very not what but Will Levis extremely
2: did. impressive. Yeah.
3: All right. So good, good bow. Is he the starting quarterback at Auburn now again?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think he always, yeah. was. I
3: mean, yeah, I,
1: I, they were playing around just to, to try and keep some momentum and some energy. And like, I was very impressed with how he was involved while on the sidelines. Right. I don't think there's any controversy to what's going on. Um, I do think there was misunderstanding not the right word. Let me not use that. There was I, there, just some, a period of acclimation with the new coaching staff and new offense. And I think that's it. He does weird things that win you football games and he's the best you've got right now. Let's not, let's not put him too high up on a pedestal.
3: I definitely think he's the best player player available for Auburn. Who's who's better at football? Uh, Arkansas or Ole Miss? Oh, uh, I mean, we'll find out this weekend, but I'm technically Arkansas.
2: I think Arkansas. Yeah. Technically
3: Arkansas. Okay. Who's better at football, Arkansas or Auburn, Arkansas, Arkansas. Who's better at football, Arkansas or Kentucky? Kentucky. Kentucky. Versatility. You guys are totally. Who's Auburn or Ole Miss? Who's better? Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Ole Miss or Kentucky?
0: Probably Kentucky. Ole Miss,
3: just because of this,
1: just because of the scoring drives. So we finally disagreed there. Yeah. So yeah, on.
2: that was that was good because I don't think we we're going to get to move on until we ran out of teams where we disagreed.
3: <laughs> so the third and fourth <laughs> team. Were you looking for a disagreement, Braden? No, I was just. I'm just. I, I think he was, was just
2: surprised that we.
3: I was matched just up that much. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious because I look at all those teams, and even before the season, we said oh, Auburn, Ole Miss, Missouri, Kentucky. You know, LSU. We had these six teams, and we figured out that LSU and Missouri ain't it. But we still have and Arkansas maybe is, right? And maybe I don't think Tennessee belongs in this conversation because they're not, but they're closer than they were
2: last week. Kentucky
3: Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn. I I don't know what to make of that group. I think I would go Kentucky and then Ole Miss
1: one and two. That's a range that it feels interchangeable and given circumstances on actual like head-to-head matchups, like down to the injury report and maybe a particular driver play, they're all going to be about the same. And so I think they'll all come out about even. Makes for good football. Where's Texas A&M? They're bad. They're not not good. good They're not good at tackle football
3: right now.
2: I put them slightly. I would put them below most of the teams we just talked about. And above LSU,
3: but LSU is better than Mississippi state. That A&M LSU game at the end of the year.
1: I
2: don't, I don't know well. about Mississippi state.
3: Mississippi state just goes on the road and beats a
1: Yeah. That's A&M's loss. Sorry. I'm not trying to take anything away from state's win, but that's, but should have Memphis, but like, I yeah, know
2: you're right. It's just this web that it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yes. No, I think
1: there's tears.
2: The answer is that there is no answer.
1: <laughs> no, I just I, I think our entire got,
3: corporate culture. is clumps. that We have no corporate culture. <laughs>
1: it's clumps. You got clumps right now. You got about, you got laundry piles. The SEC is laundry piles. You have two nice dress shirts, okay, because that, that's what you can afford. And okay. then everything else is like a pile of like, I could technically wear this to work. I hope no one sees me walking the dog in this.
3: That's where A M's at. What's below that? Because that there's a couple teams down there too.
1: Andy.
2: It's funny and, that and A&M South is closer to being in Vanderbilt's dirty laundry pile than Alabama's. They're not used to that.
1: Dude, South Carolina is so bad. Yeah. Like we don't, I, we, every week we run out of time to talk about this. South Carolina is going to end up worse than Vanderbilt. Wow. Like, I mean, in record wise or sure.
2: just a te- as a team, you like think Vanderbilt's worth- going to win an SEC mm-hmm. game.
1: Maybe not record wise. Cause I have to look at South Carolina's record real quick in terms of their non-conference play. Um, yeah, they have three wins, so that that might be tough yeah, on the doors. Go. But um, I'm definitely giving Vandy. Oh, it's in. It's at williams Price. Okay, man. It doesn't matter. They're
3: in the same pile of dirty laundry.
1: I'm giving the doors a puncher's chance in three weeks. Just to let y'all know, circle that.
3: Is Tennessee okay at football? They're okay at football. Are they better okay. than them?
1: <laughs> but yes, yes, because really? you know what. There's, there's, no, there's enough of a fundamental shift in the last 10 years of this sport. If you're going to be a bad football team with weaknesses, but you can score fast, then you're a better bad football team than someone that's going to be reliant just
3: on defense and no offense.
2: Right? I agree with that.
3: Explain to me then why Jimbo Fisher's name, okay, outside of the fact that Scott oh, and Jimbo man. Fisher know each other, explain to me why Jimbo Fisher would be a candidate at LSU. What's then?
1: my profanity range on this show?
3: As much as you want. Earm- this, earm- is, this dude is
1: the most, I don't get it. It's the Will Muschamp effect. There are a cluster of coaches that have this amazing Jedi-like bullshitting ability, that, and they manage up. They make boosters fall in love with them, like old crotchety millionaire boosters, legit legit money dudes. They make athletic administrators fall in love with them, university presidents. And then they come off to the rest of us as like overvalued, Okay. Jimbo, Jimbo, to me is the epitome of this. This dude is considered to be a quarterback guru. Who the fuck you been guruing lately? <laughs> I'm we, serious. We, we spent ten minutes talking about this last week. I know, and it's not getting better. So, I again, I I'm so tired of having these conversations where it's like, okay, Alabama's the outlier, but bottom line is they're also the pace they're the pace setter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you can have rosters who could actually suffer a loss at quarterback and Imagine if Stetson Bennett is, has to play from here on out. What's your variance on Georgia's win-loss? A, a loss a game. or two? Yeah. Okay. A game. yeah. Texas A&M lost Haynes King in week
3: two, three? Two, Colorado. Yeah. Okay. That's all, folks. That's a 500 football team. See, I told you, I could ask you a question about Tennessee and in three sentences be talking about LSU. <sighs> How about Tennessee is going to get to a bowl game this year in Josh Heupel's first season. They're going to score a bunch of points. They're still going to lose the games they're going to lose. They're supposed to lose and they're Mm -hmm. going to beat the bad teams. The ones that are in the dirty laundry pile and South Alabama. And Hey, dude, don't sleep on South Al. That would be a success.
1: There's only
2: two more. Okay. Then no, there's three more of those. Hey, Go look up stop rate right now
1: on South Alabama. I'm serious. Kane Womack, the Indiana defensive coordinator from last year, son of Dave Womack. Don't yep. sleep on that South Alabama game. I say these things and then everybody forgets. Nobody forgets, Steven. I didn't mean like in the Zoom. I just
3: mean like, you know, in the ether. <laughs> um, the thing,
1: okay. Nobody
2: on the Zoom remembers.
3: <laughs> Sounds like a good t-shirt. Everything the you Zoom say in remembers. the Zoom stays in the Zoom. Uh,
1: the thing that I am looking for from Tennessee at this point is, okay, you have acquitted yourself nicely. You are fine. You have not gone through the death part of your schedule yet how Tennessee responds to getting absolutely vaporized by the Alabamas and Georgias of the world. I would like to see how this new coach handles that because every coach before them has handled it kind of bad. All right. And I would also add that in between the vaporizing of uh, against Alabama and Georgia, you have games against ranked Ole Miss and ranked Kentucky. I mm-hmm. think, I
3: mean, like you, I think you've done big- good so far, but, but you haven't really played the schedule yet. But those were baked into the... I mean, to me, at least, those were baked in already as losses. Like... Yeah, I agree. Wait. Ole, Kentucky, Miss and and Kentucky. Ole, Miss? Ole Miss and Kentucky, Georgia, and Alabama. That four-game stretch was baked in as four losses. I, we said it last yeah, week on it's the South show. Yeah, South Carolina, right. South
2: Alabama, and Vanderbilt that gets you there, right? You win those I three, think,
3: you're six and six, and that yeah. is a huge success.
2: I agree, and you get a bye before Kentucky. You're not going to beat Kentucky, but if you're ever there's if you going to have a bye before any of those teams to prepare, you're not going to beat Alabama or Georgia no matter what. Your bye might as well be before Kentucky because that's the only one you have a glimmer of hope in. You're still probably going to lose. But so you
1: guys are setting up. Might as well
2: not waste a bye week.
1: I don't know who sounds dumber me uh, saying me a... no, no, no. That what I'm about <laughs> to say versus what y'all feel confident about. So y'all are confident that this is going to be a six and six team because they win the last two down the stretch. So y'all are pinning a six and six Tennessee uh, season on closing out with wins against a good South Al team and Vanderbilt. Okay. All right. Or am I the idiot here? Because I think somewhere in this four game stretch, not Georgia or Alabama They sneak up and scare the shit out of and maybe upset either Kentucky. That's the one I'm leaning towards or Ole Miss. Well, they play the same style as Ole Miss. It's not impossible.
3: The the reality is, is that we're probably both like, we'll we'll probably both be right and wrong. Like they'll probably pull an upset and then figure out a way to not make a bowl game. This is a team that beats Kentucky.
1: This is a team that beats Kentucky or Ole Miss, but then honestly does like lose to South Alabama because of any And not, not even in a dumb way, not in a Georgia state way, Braden. Because it's November twentieth when you play a good South Al team, who's going to be up and geeked and like jacked for that game? No, they and just run the ball. They just run the ball down your throat, and you're really thin. This is still a yeah. really right. thin roster that nobody's right. talking about.
2: Also, to oh, your God. point, Godfrey, you ha- we haven't. If it's not Tennessee, I mean, we know Ole Miss <laughs> is going to have one signature loss they shouldn't lose. They always do. So, what do you think that's going to be? Is it Tennessee? That's
1: what I'm saying it kind of feel that you doesn't it feel like, like it Tennessee, be. especially I feel like because Tennessee.
3: Be. That's a big
1: game. That's a bigger game for Tennessee than it is for Ole
2: Miss. They should be. It could be Auburn, but I think it's gonna be Tennessee.
3: Well, the, the, that'll be the only time that Newland is like my, m- close to being full. I'm just gonna love that. Like this is because a season in which
1: Ole Miss fans are too focused on Liberty and not a, not focused enough on Tennessee. off <laughs> field, narr- field narrative is something else, man. That's
3: what I'll put in the promos.
1: Um, I'll give right. it to you. in A complete sentence. It's true. If you go to Oxford right now, they're not talking about losing to Alabama. They're more preoccupied with beating the hell out of Hugh Freeze's Liberty than they are about
3: possibly worrying about Josh Heupel's Tennessee on the road. That
1: game's in Knoxville, isn't it?
3: Yep. Yep. Nealon will be, again, Nealon has got 50,000 empty seats every time they play there, except for that game.
1: Only I don't 20, even make fun of them for that because they'll only were be 20,000 empty seats. I don't make fun of them. I make fun of Tennessee Athletics and Danny White for a lot of stuff, but I don't make fun of them for the stadium thing because just as a program and people that work there that are have long since departed the whole trend in the nineties and the two thousands was to build up instead of, instead of, uh, refurbish and Tennessee was just on the wrong end of that. And Neal just too big. It's not a fan base thing. They're just too big.
3: Well, it's, yeah. And it's never going to, they got to pull 20,000 out and then yeah, yeah. do like a luxury, something in there. Aaron, did we accomplish anything today on the show?
2: Um, Godfrey and I agree on a few things. You and I didn't fight that much. There are two accomplishments. Don't you think? I think that the I think that the the moral is still rings true, which is we don't know, which is might be frustrating when we're trying to talk about it, but it's going to make for some really, really good football games and a lot of surprises. So everyone listening should be excited, even if we didn't really come out with a clear, (laughs) clear um, accomplishment from today's episode. We had
3: one sentence of analysis on the LSU Kentucky game. Um, I was about to ask, do they win the game? Kentucky runs the ball and stops the run. Well, LSU doesn't run the ball well and doesn't stop the run. Well, yes, I'm I'm going, I am going and I expect to see a Kentucky win. Absolutely. We didn't talk about Arkansas and Ole Miss. I think Arkansas is too beaten up for this. I think Ole Miss outscores them. I think Ole Miss wins
1: this one basically on what Brayden said, but it will be closer than Ole Miss feels like it should
3: be.
2: I hope Arkansas wins because I ordered a Sam Pittman shirt that I'm going to wear during the game. Oh, I like
3: that. Can we mm-hmm. see some of that on the socials please? Yep. All right. Um, Got it. at the Aaron Dugan on Twitter at Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. Um, Texas A&M loses by how many? Mm. What's the spread right now?
1: It opened at 17. Is that right? right? So. Texas
2: A&M loses by 31 points.
1: You <laughs> know, uh, the reason I have to bring this up because I'm not really into the whole like gambling world that much, but I like, can someone explain to me how that like, why, how does that work for a casino? That I could go in and bet money and you give me more money just by Alabama winning by 17?
2: I know. I need to actually pull I'm so confused kind of app on, right now.
1: Keep talking. <laughs>
2: I need to put I'm, money on the game right now.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm so confused right now because I saw it open and it was like, I think it was 17 and a half and that just felt really low. God, I wish I had taken that. I'm sure it's gone up since then. I'm it has sure. to. Live.
2: They're going to, My, I really think that sounds Kentucky's ridiculous. I think three, they could by lose by, the by 30, 31. 17 and a half is Alabama, Alabama,
3: Alabama, 17 and a half point. I can gamble on Alabama right now and I can lay 17 and a half points.
2: Well, that's what I'm doing as soon as we get done.
3: So Vegas is simulated. So the simulation score is 34.2 to
1: 16.8. What? No way. Guy, are you telling me that Texas A&M is going to score two touchdowns on offense? Someone didn't do their homework. This is one of those weeks, (laughs) y'all. Georgia covered against Vanderbilt in the first quarter. Okay. Yeah. And it was, like odd, it was like a thirty it. odd. It was like a thirty odd points spread. I'm just saying, we got that. It's like right. the
2: progressive. Is that the progressive commercial yeah. when they're oh, trying to teach whoa, you how to not to be your parents? Whoa. And you are like, oh. Oh, we all see it.
3: We all see it. You don't know them. <laughs> you don't have you don't, to comment you, on it. You don't know them. You don't no. know them.
2: You hired them.
3: Doc, Doctor Rick, man, old Doctor Doctor Rick. He's my favorite. Um. All right, Stephen. Enjoy your trip to Lexington. Wait, right. You, yes.
2: Brayden aren't you about to go through a breakup?
3: Oh, with, with Eli Drinkwitz? I don't know if we've got time. Do we have time for this, Stephen?
2: You yeah, want to no. do it when Stephen jumps off?
3: No, no, no. We got it real fast. You should have I, dated him in the first place. Well, I, I
1: enjoyed...
2: You has got
3: the finger wag. I, I, I enjoyed what he accomplished last year in a very difficult situation as a first-time head coach in the SEC with a nice quarterback and some recruiting pizzazz. Maybe it was 2020. Um, that was, that's come back home to roost, um, firing his defensive line coach after giving up a billion yards rushing to Tennessee. I, I, I think I'm, I'm not deleting his number from my phone yet, but I don't think we're, I don't think I'm gonna to respond to any text messages. The next As head- someone
2: who's had to answer this exact same question in real life, you should break <laughs> up with them.
1: Uh, <laughs> the next head coach to be fired after L- like not counting LSU. and it won't be this year, but the hot seat immediately because this, this league does not go a year without someone getting chewed up. It's going to be Eli Drinkwich and then as, and then as soon as possible, it's going to be Beamer. So,
3: so way to go! They're uh, not
1: good hires. They're not good hires. They're, they're not they're not horrible men. They're just not good right, hires. Right?
3: No, it's tremendous news for the education department and system in South Carolina that they spent all that money to get rid of Will Muschamp. Seventeen million dollars in the middle of
1: a sixty million dollar
3: budget shortfall.
1: If my report if I'm remembering my reporting off top, a lot head. of
2: million dollars. Mm-hmm.
1: Seventeen million to tell Will Muschamp to not headbutt anything in your building. Please take all your headbutts to the party. Too
2: bad he hadn't made any outwardly, morally unsound decisions before that.
3: And now his special teams have scored more than Georgia's opponents. There you have it. I'm not. I'm not. I will leave you with
1: this this week. (laughs) I will give Georgia all the credit in the world right now. I am not giving a damn hundredth of a percentage point to Will Muschamp.
3: (laughs) Whatever he's doing in Athens, I could do.
2: Braden loves Will Muschamp.
3: Coming up next. Trey Wallace. We'll talk to him about the Tennessee volunteers and everything else, SEC. Trey, great to see you, man. Thank you for joining us here on the show. Talk a little SEC football and And first, just how much fun do you, did you have watching Auburn and LSU? Not just because the play on the field was exciting. But because of all of the extra drama that's going on with LSU and Auburn, how, how just on a scale of zero to five, Bo Nixes,
0: how much fun did you have? It was man, it was interesting because we came off that Kentucky Florida game and I was like, okay, how good can this LSU Auburn matchup be? And then just to see LSU implode in the fourth quarter and decide, you know what, we're just going to pass the ball around. We're not going to worry about running it with the you know with the lead. And then you give Bo Nix these opportunities just to scramble and make these like Superman-type plays and get them back in the game, and then they end up winning. I I loved it. I, I thought it was great. And if Ed Orgeron is going to dig his own grave with his play calling and, and the way he goes about his game plan, then that's going to be the way that he exits out of Baton Rouge. So he's setting himself own self up for failure. You know, if you look at the you – know, you saw it. Look at the pass chart in the fourth quarter. You don't run the football. What are you doing? So, look, he's setting himself up, and, and if that's the way he wants to go out, that's fine. But LSU had numerous chances to put Auburn away. And, hey, good on Brian Harsin <laughs> and Bo Nix. They came back and won in Death Valley, and um, now they're, they're staring down a matchup with Georgia this weekend. Is, is Georgia better than Alabama? I would have Georgia ranked number one in the country right now. That defense is disgusting. And, and the way that they were able to get after the Arkansas offensive line and that rushing attack that, that Arkansas had showed off a little bit against Texas and Texas a and I, I just look at them and I think, okay, what offense is going to be able to score on them? Because if you can't run the football, then Georgia's just going to sit back and say, okay, well, then you're going to try to beat us with a pass? That's fine. But their front seven is just so good, Braden. They're just attacking the quarterback and they're forcing turnovers and forcing mistakes. I really like what they're doing. The one key thing is, and we and we I think we both agree on this, how far can they go without JT Daniels at quarterback? You know, because you can't have Stetson Bennett out there throwing for 70 some odd yards and think that they're gonna win every game this season. They need JT Daniels back because, you know, I don't think Kendall Milton can lead them to a national championship by itself or Jameer White.
3: <laughs> no, um, so you get Auburn this week, then you've got a, a Kentucky team and a Florida team in Jacksonville. Is Georgia in Atlanta at 12-0, even without the knowledge of JT Daniels' sort of upside in health?
0: I, I, yeah, I, I think right now when you look at it, they are, because I don't trust the way that Florida's trying to run their offense. Um, even with Emory Jones, you can tell that Dan Mullen does not trust Emory throwing the football down the field. So I think that comes back to hurt them. I, I Look, I know that they have a stable of running backs, and that's fine, and Emory Jones can move around with his feet, but I still just don't trust the way that what they're doing. I As crazy as it sounds, it, if Kentucky beats LSU on Saturday night, we're going to get a 6-0 and Kentucky team going into Athens that could pretty much be for the SEC East. And if you would have told me that before the season – I'd have called you absolutely crazy, but we're kind of setting up for that path. So, you know, I, I think I think Georgia gets to SC, you know, gets to Atlanta and plays for the title undefeated. But, you know, would it surprise me that they slip up a game? No, but I guess that's the good thing about having a two game lead and yeah. over Florida and, and having an opportunity to beat Kentucky next week. Yeah, I, I just see a replay
3: of the Arkansas game. If if that is what happens with Kentucky going into Georgia, I just it's it happened a couple years ago it was an sec East championship game and they went into Lexington and Georgia just boat raced them. And then Kentucky, it was a two game loss because Kentucky came to kneel the following weekend and didn't even get off the bus. Um, speaking of Tennessee and kneeling stadium, uh, are they sort of good at football
0: now or, or, or what? I mean, we're, we're sitting here in this spot. And they put up with 62 points against Missouri. Look, Missouri's defense is horrible. Their linebackers are horrible. And I, and I hate to be the one that uh, hate on a, a group of players. I don't think they're being coached up well enough. I think they fired the wrong person on Sunday they should have fired the defensive coordinator, not the defensive line coach. But you look at Tennessee and what they're able to do, Braden, they're, they're running the football without their starting center. You know, they're moving Jerome Carvin over. They're playing it. You know, they're playing Ollie Lane at the guard position and they rush for over 470 yards, but We've seen this Tennessee team rush the football this season anyway. So that, you know, I I think the numbers surprise folks, but I don't think the running game does because I think Tyon Evans is really good running back. I think Jabari Small compliments him well if he can get healthy and stay healthy with that shoulder. But then you look at what Hendon Hooker can bring to the table as well. Like, he's not making mistakes. He's, he's, he's elusive. He's hitting his guys down the field in stride. He only had one overthrow this past weekend. And he finally took the job. You know, Josh Heupel says, "Hey, Hendon Hooker's our starting quarterback." You haven't, we haven't seen that all season where Josh Heupel says, "Okay, this guy's our starter." That means he's, he's earned the trust of the coaching staff, and and they got a big game against South Carolina. But I mean, I look at the defense. I mean, would you expect the defense to be playing as 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 good as they have so far this season? I th- like, I think that's a surprise point out of all of this, besides the offense, Braden.
3: No, I, I think that was a, a bowl game victory for Tennessee because, you know, South Carolina Vandy and South Alabama should be W's. It allows you now to lose to Kentucky on the road and still get to a bowl game. So speaking of Kentucky, I, you know, like I said, I kind of joked, I don't think they've got a chance to go into Georgia. I do think they're, they are favorite against LSU this weekend and they're sort of still doing it in like old school Mark Stoops types of ways. Like, can they sustain? I, I mean, you cannot continue to beat good teams with blocked field goals but we know they've got some really good pieces like again i i don't i've been championing kentucky all summer i picked them second in the east all summer so i'm kind of wearing that around my neck at least proudly right now maybe maybe embarrassingly in a in a, in a couple of weeks but can they sustain this and and, and
0: continue and, and is this like a 10 win team is that is that what we're talking about right now I mean, it could be. I mean, look, you're going to need more out of Will Levis. You know, you can't have, you know, 80 yards passing and think that you're going to beat another SEC team. Chris Rodriguez almost hit the 100-yard mark, and, that, and that's fine. Um, but th- they've got to be better on offense because, you know, I look back at it, you know, they had eight possessions where they're either, either punting or they threw an interception against Florida. You know, they, they hung around. They they played that just that Kentucky style of a game where they hang around and they hang around and hang around and they finally beat you like with four minutes to go in the game I was like okay Florida is gonna somehow win this football game like I was it's gonna happen but Kentucky I mean props to them that they held on on defense um, I don't think Dan Mullen called a good game when it comes to offense but I think this Kentucky team is actually talented I mean you look at Josh Paschal who's just coming off the edges and destroying quarterbacks, and then you look what they can do when it comes to the running game. Now, if you can add in a little bit of Will Levis to that with his passing and get Wondell Robinson open down the field or or however you want to play this thing, you're setting yourself up for a Kentucky team that, yeah, I think can get 10 wins this season, and they can do it their way. Because I look at their schedule, and I think they beat LSU this weekend and then going to lose to Georgia next week. Um, but then you you look at the rest of that beat you beat Tennessee you know beat Vanderbilt and you, you got ten wins
3: yeah it's crazy it's, enough yeah I mean it's and it's just like it, it, he just keeps slowly but steadily building the program Stoops does um, in, in sort of the recovery rehab uh, you know combat medic bowl Arkansas and Ole Miss who, who you got in this one is this is this. Is this when we realize Arkansas maybe it was overinflated? Is this where we realize Ole Miss's defense is atrocious, really, actually? Or you know, who do you who do you like to bounce back in in that one?
0: I, I don't I don't think Arkansas was as bad as we saw against Georgia. I don't. I just think Georgia's front seven was just too good, and they and they got to KJ Jefferson and, and caused him problems. But I don't think. Ole Miss's defense is like what you said, kind of up to standards of what we thought they would be. You know, uh, looking at the first four games, I do think Arkansas can go into to Oxford and get a win, just as much as I, I think that they would beat them at home. Either I, I just look right now at, at what Lane Kiffin did against Alabama. First off, I you know when when he's when he's going for all those fourth downs in, in the first half. You're setting Alabama up with possession at the 35-yard line, 40-yard line. So it's not hard. You're setting your defense up in a horrible position. So with Arkansas and Sam Pittman, I think they're going to come out and they're just going to try to run the football and then see what K.J. Jefferson could do with his arm to set it up. It's kind of like a, a, you know, a reset game for both of these teams. Yeah. And I would think Arkansas is good enough. We've seen them play against a tough Texas A&M defense at times, even though they lost Mississippi State. And we saw them, you know, shut down Isaiah Spiller. So I, I still think this Arkansas team is good. Um, and I and I still think Matt Corral is a really good quarterback for Ole Miss. So it's going to come down to which team bounces back off, you know, a bad loss. Um, and, and I think that's Arkansas this weekend. I really do.
3: Yeah, way more a function of the opponents there, Alabama and Georgia, than it is probably an indictment of either of them i didn't drop either of them very very far in my in my rankings trey always a pleasure man enjoy the weekend week six right around the corner it's
0: flying past us uh and uh we'll we'll talk soon man always a pleasure thanks buddy i appreciate you enjoy this fall baseball we're getting now right yeah that's right (laughs) there you go actual (laughs) baseball thanks man
3: That was Trey Wallace of Outkick, formerly of Rocky Top Insider. Always uh, like hearing from him, a good friend of the show, and, and glad, glad to have him on the episode, of course. Um, with <laughs> I'm Again, Aaron, I'm not sure 100% what we accomplished today, but it does feel like right around this time of year, things start to get really weird in the SEC. And I just think you could hear it. You could hear it in the quarterbacks. You could hear it in the coaches. You could see it on the coaches' faces. Now we got the LSU drama going on. Uh, it just It's just that time of year, man. So what's up? You said you had a Lane Kiffin story or. Yeah. And I was gonna,
2: I was already so like on such a coach. o like tangent in my mind, by the time you gave me the opportunity to say something about Lane that I was like, I just had to save it for later. Atrocious behavior. I mean, everybody (laughs) has a job at these games. Obviously Braden and I, you and I being in media, we have a little bit more respect for what those people do. His, Behavior towards someone who's trying to cover his team. I know it's interesting. It's funny. I'm sh- I think Jamie Erdall is a really good sport about it. You, there's no n- reason to walk out of an interview, no matter how concentrated you are in the zone, you're still not going to be, you're still not going to win and throw your headset after saying, grab your popcorn, um, It just it's it was unbelievable, truly. I mean, it was it was not just walking away early for someone who's prepared questions to ask you. And probably thought very long and hard about those questions on a primetime SEC football matchup. um, But you didn't answer any of them. And then you proceeded to throw your headphones at the direction of the cameraman and the person interviewing you. So
3: He, he did apologize on Monday. I don't
2: care. You said I, this about the throwing the shoe thing too. You don't get to apologize for throwing things as a grown adult, especially not as a head coach. It's stupid. It's immature. You look like an idiot. And it's mean. You shouldn't oh, no, be no, I, here, it's, you can't be I, mean I, and stupid. You know how I feel about those two things combined. <laughs> you can't be both. It's just like you can't like can't be mean and really, really unattractive either. It's not gonna serve you well. You have to be one thing.
3: Well, and I he's will say mean this. and dumb. I don't think he's dumb. I think he's, he's not,
2: dumb. but that was stupid. But I think and he was, it was mean.
3: I think it was very disrespectful, and I think it was very inappropriate. And he paid for it on the field. Although I guess you could argue maybe that would have happened anyway. But like it was, it was stupid. I, I just, I think we live in a country where if somebody does something a little bit mean and a little bit insensitive, that as long as you just acknowledge that you were mean and insensitive and say you're sorry and learn from it, that I think we probably just need to say okay and move on. I guess, and you know me, I'm. I think it was very stupid and disrespectful and I'm a big I believer in the side. Unless you're but, you like you know, a total
2: repeat offender, like you need to get smarter and like have a little bit more self-control, especially when you're preaching self-control and being, you know, clear minded to an entire, you know, hundred, 150 people every day. So quote, I, although I don't know if anyone really believes that lane is always those things, but.
3: Quote, I just heard someone yelling in the locker room and someone saying that I don't even know why it came out. And I actually said to, Offensive coordinator, Jeff Lebby, I got on the headsets and said, I said something really stupid. You guys better score a lot of points.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> See so, that he's, he's owning it that it at least, least
2: like, makes it funnier. I didn't hear that part. So at least, and then the only thing that can take away slightly from mean and stupid is not doing it all the time. And then being kind of funny after, I, so I you get as, one point back.
3: Okay. As, I agree, you're still an, as long you're as, still an idiot. I, I think as long as you are genuinely, sorry, and remorseful, and you acknowledge that it was insensitive and stupid, I, I think we need more accepting of apologies in this country. How about that? Is that okay?
2: Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. It's it's hard to tell what genuine remorse looks like because most people just apologize, so it stops. I, I agree. But I feel you. I feel you.
3: I agree. I, we I,
2: need I, to be forgiving to one another, and Lay needs to lock it up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Rise above. Uh, all right. Special thanks to Stephen Godfrey, Trey Wallace, uh, Aaron Dugan, where can people find you?
2: The Aaron Dugan on Twitter, Aaron underscore Dugan on the gram.
3: And fringe element is brought to you by who?
2: Jasper's just a just a peek away, Interesting. just a just a a, a block away from anywhere. Jasper's a block away from anywhere.
3: That's cool. I kind of like that actually.
2: Thank you. Because we can talk about it. We're sharing it with you, even if you're in College Station, Texas.
3: <laughs> and it took you as long away. to get there as it did for Ole Miss to score points. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations on that. And congratulations to Lane for growing up and maturing in front of our very eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Thank you guys all for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe and share the show, I guess. <laughs> my, my name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. For Aaron, for Stephen, thank you guys for hanging out with us. This has been Friend element on the 440 Sports Network.
2: I don't deserve to say anything else.